Welcome to the Success in Medicine podcast. I'm Dr. Rajani Kata, author of the Medical School Interview and the MMI books. And we're here today to continue our session on helping applicants prepare for the multiple mini interview, the MMI. And we're talking about 10 strategies that applicants can use to help prepare for the MMI. And in part one, we went over the first five strategies and this is part two. And we'd like to talk about more of these other strategies. And to help me today, I've invited on co-host Catherine Wu. She's a junior at Rice University. And Catherine, I'm going to pass the baton to you. Thank you so much for having me back. I learned so much from our last MMI meeting, from our last session together, and I have a few more questions that I would love to ask you. I know that scenarios can range from low stress to high stress. Which types of scenarios are they more likely to test us on? Oh, that's a really good question because when I'm working with students, I really talk about low yield and high yield scenarios in the sense that there are I mean, there are an infinite number of scenarios that they could create for the MMI, but there are certain um, scenarios that we see repeated over and over again. And so we call these high yield scenarios and we list multiple ones in our book. And these include examples such as the angry customer or the distraught patient. Another one is having to break bad news to a patient and others. Do you have any suggestions on how to practice or prepare? these types of scenarios? One of the things I recommend is, you know, so for example, the angry customer is a common scenario. So it's really important to learn phrases and tactics that can help de-escalate situations. There are multiple medical journal articles that describe these approaches. And in fact, you can do a PubMed literature search and you can find some of these very helpful articles on you know, the phrases and the tactics that can be used in situations like that. We, in our book, also outline our own approach to this a little bit further. You mentioned in our last meeting together that the MMI has three types of prompts, tasks, scenarios, and questions. Are there some prompts that are easier or harder to prepare for? There certainly are. I think personally that the task Uh, otherwise known as the collaboration station. Sometimes it's a single person task and sometimes it's a collaboration task. I think that station is really one of the hardest to prepare for in advance. So in this task and collaboration station, is there anything that I can keep in mind when working through this station? Well, I have to say to start with, as you're working through this station, just remember that some interviewers will deliberately try to fluster or frustrate you. And sometimes just knowing that can help you maintain your equilibrium. Are these scenarios realistic in the medical field? Not necessarily. So the task and collaboration station is just meant to test for certain non-cognitive skills, certain interpersonal skills. So most of the time, these stations are not based on something that you would see in a doctor's office. So for example, um, previously, you know, one of these stations, it's been reported to, can you help a mentally disabled adult to tie his shoelaces? And what if you were in that situation and the actor was deliberately provoking you? So they're not necessarily realistic scenarios, but they're meant to test for certain qualities. Hmm. And for these certain qualities, what do you think they're looking for? It, it really depends on the individual station, but one of the things we really talk about is 
the importance of really centering yourself in any of these situations on the values of patience, compassion, empathy, um, and also if you're working with another applicant. So sometimes you're you know, you're in a room with another applicant and the two of you are back to back and you're having to give instructions to the other applicant in situations like that, they're really testing for your communication skills, your ability to work as a team. And again, it comes back to that patience and empathy and really that ability to limit your frustration. So those are some of the examples of what they're looking for. Knowing what they're looking for are great points for me to keep in mind. And for the question prompts, is there anything I can do to prepare myself other than the practice questions you have on your blog? So definitely, it's important to learn some of the basic questions that you might be asked. And we do have um, a number of these questions listed on our blog, which is found at thesuccessfulmatch.com. But beyond just learning some of the common practice questions that are out there, I think it's really important for discussion question stations, that you learn the basics of medical ethics, and that you be really well-read and up-to-date on current events. What type of topics would they ask us about? Well, I have to say that potential discussion prompts really encompass a wide variety of topics. So these might center on medical ethics, or they might center on current medical events, or they might center on issues that are completely unrelated to medicine. Now, having said that, since medical ethics are such a rich source of discussion topics, I recommend that every applicant start by learning the basics of medical ethics. That makes sense. I'll be sure to brush up on current events and medical ethics. Are there certain concepts I should make sure that I understand? Yes, there are. I really think it's important that all applicants know the four major ethical principles that underlie the practice of medicine. So it's important to learn about the concepts of beneficence, non-maleficence, autonomy, and justice. And if you are not familiar with, you know, if you're not familiar with the terms themselves, and certainly if you're not familiar with the meaning and the application of these principles, you might want to start by listening to one of my podcast episodes where I've gone over this in a little bit more depth. I know that you have multiple podcasts. Which podcast can I find this one on? Oh, I'm glad you asked that. So that's on the Step to Success podcast. So that's a podcast where we help medical students prepare for the U.S. Medical Licensing Step 2 exam. That's why it's called the Step 2 Success Podcast. And since ethics is one of the subjects that's covered in the USMLE exam, I recorded two episodes on this topic. And within these two episodes, I really did a bit of a deep dive into these four concepts. So I discussed representative cases that involved medical ethics, and I included specific cases related to patient autonomy, for example. So these two episodes provide a quick overview of these concepts, and you might need to do more reading, but I think these two episodes are a really helpful place to start. And you can find a link to the Step 2 Success podcast on the homepage of thesuccessfulmatch.com, our website. There's just a link there to our podcast. And so you can find the episode straight from our homepage. Got it. I'll go there and listen to those episodes. And you mentioned current events. How will staying up to date on current events help me answer the question prompts? Well, I think beyond 
learning about ethical principles, it's really helpful to read the news because I think one of the things that's really important when you're staying up to date on current events is to learn what events are in the news. But beyond that, I think it's really important to learn about different viewpoints on these events. So certainly read the news, but also talk to your family, discuss events with your friends. And I think it's very helpful as you read cases in the news to jot down a few points that come to mind. Do you have an example of a current event question that they might ask us about? Well, we are recording this in 2021. And so I really think that pandemic related issues are going to be a ripe area for discussion. So if I were creating prompts for the MMI this year, I might include an example. You know, let me give you an example of something that I would include. If you were a public health official, discuss how you would make the case to your community of the need for a lockdown. So if you walked up to the door and you saw this prompt on the door, you have two minutes to prepare. How would you respond to this prompt given those two minutes? You know, this is where it's helpful just that experience of having read the news and learned about the viewpoints on people of both sides of an issue can really help strengthen your response in the moment. Should I pay particular attention to local news or global news and medical versus non-medical current events? I think, oh yeah, I think it's important to check really global, national, and local news outlets to further your insight on current events. And it is important to stay aware of both medical and non-medical. With medical ethics and current events, there seems like a lot of topics that they can ask us about. Is there anything I could do to help simplify these topics and make them easier to talk about on the spot? No, you're absolutely right. There are an infinite number of topics that they can ask you about. So when I'm working with students, what I say is that you're never going to be able to memorize responses to discussion prompts. There are just obviously way too many potential topics. So I recommend that you stay abreast of current events, as I mentioned. And I think as you're preparing your response, as you're formulating your response, I think you should try to follow a general framework. And I would say that when you're formulating your response, um, first, keep some key principles in mind. And then second, think about how you're going to structure your response. Can you tell me more about the structure and more about the key principles? Yes. So in terms of key principles, I think there are two ones that are really helpful when you're discussing issues in the news, you know, especially for discussion questions. Some of these are very challenging. As you're formulating your response, number one, put care for the patient at the heart of your decision-making. So if you're asked to choose a side or to talk about the ramifications of a particular issue, start by thinking about how it impacts patient care. And then second, always consider all stakeholders in the issue. So if you're being asked about you know, particular policy, is this a good policy? Is this something that we should institute? you know, start by thinking about how that policy affects an individual patient, and then start to think about how it affects all stakeholders. So are there any, is there a particular issue or response to that issue? What is the impact on, let's say the healthcare team, the patient's family, the patient's employer? What might be the impact of that policy on the hospital? 
What about people who pay for medical care, such as the insurance company or the government? And sometimes when you're thinking about these policies, you have to think about the public good also. And that's definitely something that we're seeing in the pandemic. You know, the public is another stakeholder. So I think those are kind of the two key principles that you can keep in mind as you're formulating a response. Those sound like great things to keep in mind. Is there anything else I can also keep in mind to help boost my answers? Well, I definitely think that you need to think about structuring your response in some way. So when you're providing your response, it's helpful to provide an overall structure. And what I mean is that instead of just rambling on, you want to provide the interviewer with a reasoned, well-thought-out response or argument, and a basic structure for that can really help. What does this look like? Well, number one, and this is where I think it's really easy for students to, um, to not do this, the first thing is to really identify and verbalize the underlying issue. So you can actually say, the issue that I see in this question is X, Y, Z. And then once you verbalize the issue, you're going to give an introduction. And in that introduction, you do wanna explain your own position. So oftentimes they're going to ask you to take a position or they might ask you to explain the ramifications on multiple stakeholders. But if you're being asked to take a position, you do want to explain that position. And remember that this should be congruent with the values of physicians. And then you want to demonstrate that you've considered other points of view, which is something that I already talked about that, um, well, it's kind of two different things. So first, you want to consider the impact on all different stakeholders. But second, if you've taken a position on an issue, you do want to demonstrate that you have considered other points of view. And then, uh, you know, and then after that, it's really important to think about when you're writing, we use transition words to help our readers follow the structure of our argument. And when you're giving a verbal argument, it's the same thing. So you would say, first, we need to consider. Next, we should consider. Finally, we need to consider. Those transition words can be very helpful in terms of your listener following what you're trying to say. And then finally, I think it's really important that you articulate your thinking process. So in thinking about the needs of the patient, I believe that we need to consider. Um, so that way you're really verbalizing what your thinking process is. Mm. And is there anything else I can do to prepare? Uh, yeah, so I know that was a lot that I just went over thinking about how to structure it. And sometimes that can be really intimidating and overwhelming in the moment. So one thing that I find very helpful is to have a few introductory phrases ready to go, just something that is automatic for you so that you can walk in there and you can start with something that you know down. So, um, so it just helps to get that session going for you. And do you have an example of these types of phrases? Yes, certainly. So there is a number of potential introductory phrases that you could use. One example would be, I don't know the answer to that question, but here's how I would go about making a decision. And that's a good one for some of the situations that you might be faced with that are very uh, unclear or where there's really no clear answer. And really most of these prompts do not have a clear answer. 
Another one, again, with these complex scenarios where there's no clear answer, another one that you might use is, this is clearly a very complex issue, but I would begin by considering the effects on this stakeholder, that stakeholder, and that stakeholder. And then another one that you could use, especially if it's a controversial topic or one that's uh, really laden with a lot of emotions, you could use an introduction such as, although this issue brings up a lot of strong emotions, I believe it's important to begin this discussion by X, Y, Z. It definitely makes me feel better knowing that I have these phrases that I can fall back on. Is there anything else that I can add to the discussion station? Yes. So one of the last strategies that I focus on, which can actually be one of the most powerful strategies, is to include any of your personal experiences that you've had with this question or issue. And this can highlight some of your insights based on your personal experiences, or it can just highlight the fact that you've spent time thinking about this issue. And why would this be helpful? Well, I think one of the main reasons is that highlighting your personal experiences makes for a significantly more memorable response. Uh, That makes sense. Do you have any examples? I do. So for example, I know how difficult that can be. When I was working as a waitress, I had several frustrated customers, and this is how I approached that issue. Uh, Another example might be, that's a very challenging issue. I remember when my family member had to deal with that issue. Um, And then another one, I know that brings up a lot of complex issues. When I was volunteering in the family practice clinic, we had several patients who had to deal with end of life issues. Uh, And then this year, again, because there's so much pandemic related medical issues that have been brought up, um, I think bringing in your own personal experiences with the pandemic and either the medical response to the pandemic or individual responses to the pandemic. So for example, medical misinformation is such a challenge. In fact, I didn't realize how much of a challenge it was until I heard my own very well-educated cousin talking about the risks of masks. So that's another example of, of bringing in your own personal experience. Given that there are so many ways to answer a question, Is the interviewer looking for a right answer? There is definitely no right answer, um, for sure. Most of these prompts, there's no way there could be a right answer. But I have to say there are definitely stronger responses and there are weaker responses. Um, And in the setting of an MMI, it's not that they're looking for the right answer. They're looking for an answer that reflects the attributes that make for a strong physician. Have you seen any applicants who have had these really strong attributes, but haven't been able to properly demonstrate them in the MMI? We have. Yeah. Unfortunately, we've worked with wonderful, strong medical school applicants who absolutely possess these attributes, but unfortunately they haven't been able to convey that well in this type of interview format. And that's where preparation and practice can make all the difference. And if, if you're listening to this and you're feeling not very comfortable at this point, I can reassure you having worked with other students that with preparation and practice, you can absolutely excel. And it's definitely, uh, it's definitely an anxiety provoking and challenging interview format for a lot of applicants, 
but I really want to reassure you that with preparation and with practice, I've seen, I've seen a number of applicants really be able to excel. So I, I think that's a great place to stop. Um, I wish you all the best with your MMI prep and with interview season. If you would like more resources, please visit us as our website, thesuccessfulmatch.com. If you go to the bottom of the homepage, there's also a place where you can sign up and you can receive a free excerpt of the medical school interview book, as well as the MMI book. So I'm Dr. Rajani Kata here with Catherine Wu on the Success in Medicine podcast.